a stroke of genius. One lion from Jesus disarms a deadly mob, saves a woman from certain death, transforms our reading of scripture, turns all our preconceptions right side up, and it endures for two millennia as one of the all-time great comebacks in the history of reposts. Let him who is without sin cast the first stone. The saying is justly famous. Let's get the context. John chapter 8 and verse 1. Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. At dawn he appeared again in the temple courts, where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? They think they have trapped Jesus. You see, either he sides with Moses and condones a very unpopular stoning, which would also attract the unwanted attention of the Romans, or he saves the woman and appears to dismiss the teaching of Moses. Which would it be? Well, notice first that these men who capture the woman and give this dilemma to Jesus, they are not interested in this woman, and they aren't particularly interested in the law either. The law would hold the man to account also. Takes two to tango, right? But where's the man in all this? No, they simply use this woman as a pawn in their game, and they use the law as a weapon in their war against Jesus. So Jesus refuses to play ball. Verse 6, they were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, If any of you is without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. It is one of the coolest moments in the Bible. You know, if you directed the movie version of this scene, who would you have playing Jesus? Uh, I'm imagining Clint Eastwood, I reckon. In his heyday, Clint Eastwood slowly, calmly, and with absolute conviction, he just pierces through the self-righteous pretense of the crowd, just with such simplicity. And that simplicity is unanswerable. Jesus, the light of the world, has shone his light into their hearts. If you're without sin, why don't you throw a stone at her? Here Jesus does what the law was meant to do. The law is meant to hold up a mirror to our own guilt. It's not meant to be a weapon that we use to harm others. It's meant to be a mirror that shows us what we are like. And Jesus does that beautifully. If you're without sin, you throw a stone. So what are they going to do? Will this crowd turn it all around and will they confess to Jesus their sham righteousness? No, they just retreat further into the darkness. Verse 9, At this, those who heard began to go away, one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. The righteous flee away like bats, the so-called righteous. And they leave the unrighteous one, this woman, and she, she sticks close to Jesus like a moth. The light of the world has that, that impact on people. The bats fly. 
The moths are drawn. Some flee, others flock to this friend of sinners. But now this woman is in a very interesting position, isn't she? She is no longer at the mercy of the unrighteous mob, but now she is at the mercy of righteous Jesus. And he is the one person who actually does have the right to stone her. Have you thought about that? He is without sin. He could pick up a rock and carry out the sentence himself. So as this woman takes refuge in Jesus, she actually has no right to expect anything other than condemnation at this point. Jesus is, after all, the judge of the whole world. So what will happen next? Verse 10, Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. This woman was dragged to the temple courts expecting ritualized shaming and a bloody death. Instead, her accusers are shamed and she is justified. The judge of the whole world exonerates her and she is freed. Now that the judge has become her savior, now that she is beyond condemnation, she is released from the whole way of sin. Whatever led her into this situation, maybe it was adultery, maybe it was prostitution, who, who knows? Whatever her life of sin was, she simply can't return to it now. She has stared its consequences full in the face and then been spared by amazing grace. The last thing she'll want to do now is return to that life of sin. She's been saved from sin. And she leaves these temple courts as a changed woman. You know, it's very easy to read this story as an outsider. We remember Jesus' cool comeback under pressure, and we enjoy the self-righteous mob being outwitted. But we shouldn't hold this story at arm's length. We should put ourselves into the story. And you know who we are? We are the woman, caught red-handed, facing the just judgment of the law, shamed by the self-righteous around us. And yet Jesus has intercepted the judgment. Instead of dishing out justice, he absorbs it. On the cross, he gets accused so that I get acquitted. He gets shamed so that I get accepted. He is killed in a brutal public execution and I walk free. He falls into the hands of the mob so that I can fall into his arms. The one without sin did not cast the first stone. Instead, he spoke salvation. And today he speaks it again to every guilty sinner who throws themselves on his mercy. He says to us today, I do not condemn you. You are free. Go and sin no more. Mm -hmm.